once you are connected, you are continuously getting information that can tell you something about how this industry is performing, how these customers are using the equipment to see what are the new things they've seen out of the data that could be used in a marketing perspective, right? Welcome to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast, where we explore the strategies and experiences that are driving mid-sized manufacturers forward. Here, you'll discover new insights from passionate manufacturing leaders who have compelling stories to share about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from B2B sales and marketing experts about how to apply actionable business development strategies inside your business. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. I'm Joe Sullivan, your host and a co-founder of the industrial marketing agency, Gorilla76. When I think about market research, some things that come to mind are collecting and sorting through demographic data, studying industry reports, conducting customer interviews and voice of customer work, evaluating potential audiences for viability in paid media platforms, and maybe looking at what search engine data can tell us. Here's one more for OEMs and particularly for machine builders, and that's machine data. What can you gather from an IoT-enabled machine that can help you not only service your customers better, but also identify trends in the market and buying behaviors among subsets of your audience? Most of the manufacturing sector is just starting to skim the surface in this area, but my guest today will dive into the topic and hopefully spur some ideas that might help you get out ahead of the pack. So on that note, let me introduce him. Yen Pingel joined Ingersoll Rand in late 2018 as the digital solutions leader focused on its industrial and compressed air systems business. He's responsible for connectivity to the entire portfolio by delivering digitally enabled solutions and services for customers. Product strategy, innovation, design, IoT, edge to cloud, and machine learning slash digital twin are a combination of passion and job responsibility. For more than 15 years, Mr. Pingle has been in the technology segment of the industrial manufacturing space, working on making manufacturing software enable optimization, integration, and insights into the production and manufacturing supply chain. He has specifically been involved in product design for data collection, data visualization, and data analysis for process and event data for manufacturing. And over the last couple of years, specialized in new technologies for data management, such as IoT, IIoT, cloud, machine learning, digital twin, and big data. Yen has held positions in global portfolio leadership, global product strategy, and global business management over different periods of his career. He graduated from the Technical University of Denmark with a master's degree in electrical engineering and computer science. Yen is a certified Scrum product owner, CSPO, as well as Scaled Agile Framework Certified Agilist and Product Manager slash Product Owner, and experienced in the user experience in user experience design, design thinking, and innovation. He is and has been an active member of IEEE, ISA, ISPE, AEE, ASHRAE, MESA, and other industrial organizations. Yan, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm glad to, glad to be here. I'm thinking it's going to be a fun little session on some new topics. I'm hoping. Yeah, I think I think it will be for sure. And and you know, I I pulled you in here because you and I first met when I came on as a guest in Industry 4.0 Club, which is something you and a few other 
really smart folks are doing and have been doing for a while now on Clubhouse. So it was a few months back and somebody on, uh, from your crew asked me to come in and talk kind of about you know transforming the marketing mindset in this digital era. But I, what I'd love for you to start out by doing here is, is talk a little bit about what you and some of the other co-founders are doing with Industry 4.0 Club, especially knowing that probably a lot of our audience is not super familiar with Clubhouse. And really, it's less probably about Clubhouse than just what you're doing in the Industry 4.0 world. So I'll, I'll hand it over to you. Oh, thanks. Well, so the Industry 4.0 Club, I've been part of it for probably four months now. It started, I think, eight months ago. It's really a group of professionals in the manufacturing industry with the goal of engaging diverse worldwide talent to accelerate what we call the global evolution of industry 4.0. And so within the group, we have professionals in this area. And then through Clubhouse, we host rooms every week where we have various different topics and segments within the industry 4.0 realm, so to speak. And we invite key guests that uh, can contribute with a specific aspect of something. And, and you were part of that when we had, I believe, the what we call the uh, collaborative. It's about people and, and process, et cetera, right? But we have technical rooms where we're talking about the future of, of industry 4.0. We have a fireside chat. We, t- we take an executive or, or a key influencer and, and have, a, have a good talk there about what they're doing and, and where, where everything's going. And then we also have a Monday room, which is women in manufacturing, which is a very well visited group for uh, a lot of discussions around women's positions and, uh, and, and their way to, to kind of get forward in, in, in the manufacturing industry. So right now, it's everything we do is on Clubhouse, which is the audio-only avenue for having conversations around different topics. And, and ours club there is Industry 4.0 and probably one of the 10 most visited clubs on the manufacturing industry on Clubhouse right now. Yeah, I think it's really fantastic what you guys have been able to do on that platform. You know, I kind of dabbled in Clubhouse a little bit when it was getting really hot, you know, back around the beginning of this year, late last year. I don't I don't remember exactly when I was popping in there, but it seems like there was this influx of people into Clubhouse and everybody who's starting clubs and and a lot of them have just kind of dissipated or died out, but you guys have kept a really great community alive. And I think it, it sort of demonstrates the, the passion around these topics that you're talking about and the frankly, the brains behind the people that are joining these conversations. So I'd highly recommend anybody who who's listening here, if you haven't, go see what these guys are doing on Industry 4.0 and Clubhouse. Just really great, smart conversations on the topic with a lot of thought leaders in the space. And you can join right in and be a part of these conversations. So pretty cool stuff. Yeah, and you, you can find us, of course, on Clubhouse, but you can find us on LinkedIn. You can find us on Twitter. And we also have a webpage, industry40club.com, where you can see our, our schedule and uh, be able to join any room that you would be interested in. So yeah, a lot of ways to contact us. I brought this up at the beginning rather than the end when I usually kind of give people a next place to go because I think it's a good lead into the discussion I wanted to have with you today. When I came on to your Clubhouse session and talked kind of about shifting the marketing mindset in the manufacturing sector, you said something that really caught my attention. And you kind of talked a little bit about this idea of, you know, we have so much data that we can gather from machines at this point in time in manufacturing facilities. And 
you know, probably a lot of those things started just for operational purposes and to understand how the machine's working. But as all this data builds, this also creates a marketing opportunity to, you know, how do we harness all this data and then start using it to target audiences accordingly based on what the data is telling us and influence other parts of your marketing strategy. So you're going to do a way better job explaining this than I can, but it was something that I hadn't really thought about even as a, a marketing guy in, in this era and in the manufacturing sector. And, and that's why I really want wanted to have you come in and break some of that down. Tell us, tell us what you're talking about when, when you mentioned that. It's also been interesting to me when we started. So my background is in data process, data manufacturing data. The normal place for that is called a historian, which is a engine that collects data from all manufacturing equipment. And it's very different than the typical database because it's really like in a lot of scenarios, it's like every minute I'll get a new temperature, for example, or I get a new pressure or I get a new flow or something like that. And then then you look at trends and see what's going on with that. So initially when this whole big data discussion came up, which is like started probably five, 10 years ago in the general manufacturing, general industry around marketing, consumer analytics, et cetera, talking about big data now, there's so much data now. Well, my aspect is that a lot of data is not necessarily big data, because if you look at manufacturing, there is probably not an area where there's more data than in manufacturing. If you look at historians that are collecting data from all these different machines on an entire plant, there is tons and tons and tons of data. But you can't just apply the traditional big data analytics to it the way you've been used to in like a consumer marketing aspect. So there I see typically you have demographics, and then you look at behaviors. And so so you can, for example, go on Google and say, I want to get a subset of your users that are 25 to 50 years old, male, and they buy reusable shaving blades, something like that. So that's behavior demographics. And now you can look at that data set and, and see what you can, you can do with that. And then you can start a marketing campaign. And so when you initially had these data scientists coming into the manufacturing industry said, well, give us all your data and we'll go, we'll go find some correlations in that information and be able to tell you something that you probably didn't know. Now, the problem here is that understanding traditional buying behaviors and demographics is fairly easy. I mean, more or less, everybody can kind of understand that concept around that. When you go into a machine and you got to understand behaviors around a machine. When when does it have a temperature spike or a pressure drop or whatever, right? It's very different. And so what I've seen a lot with these big analytics companies coming into a manufacturing and, and, and trying to come up with something that, that can help them understand something with new insights, what they really come out with is insights that is already known on the plant floor. It's correlations that's already in the data. It can be thermodynamics, it can be physics, it can be all kinds of stuff that everybody really knows that works on the machine. They know these kinds of things because they worked on the machine so many years. And so what you're trying to do is to kind of look at it in a different perspective, trying to go back to this idea of demographics and behavior. And instead of just looking at the data, you're looking at trying to identify some behaviors that you might be able to see in the data. So, so for example, a temperature spike is a behavior or a pressure drop is a behavior. And so... So you might then be able to identify some correlations between things you didn't know. And there are tools today in the industry that are looking at still kind of visual inspection. You, you have an, an event, something happened, and then you look at that information to see, well, 
what can I see from the data kind of a minute before, five minutes before, half an hour before, so something there. And then you can say that that's kind of like a, a pattern and can then that the system that can, that can go through data and find similar patterns that are like 90% close to what this is. And then you can try to use that. But from, when you're talking about really non-visual uh, inspection type of analytics, you've got to think a little bit differently. And so data scientists today kind of have to involve those SMEs to make sure that they take away that already known correlations and then get into kind of evaluating what's in the data. And so what really is interesting from a marketing perspective is that a traditional marketing process and campaign is you would look at the traditional data that you would have, which would be supply chain CRM data. So you can look at, I know customers, they bought this machine is now 10 years old. Based on our assessment, we should probably offer them X, Y, and C, right? But you only know when you sold them. You don't. You might not know what it's been using that machine for. Has it been standing still for 10 years? So, but if you start looking at IoT and start pulling data in on a regular basis, you can now know much more about what that company or what that customer has done with that machine. And so you have an, both a way to say, well, there's no reason to send out a campaign to replace a motor on a machine if it's only been half utilized compared to other machines, right? So that's one thing you could look at. But even going a little bit deeper, maybe when I was working at, at Rockwell and we had the downturn in the 2006, 2007, 2008, it was very interesting because like just looking at the, at the sales numbers, we could see when customers started shutting off service, when they started not buying parts for stock, and then when they didn't buy equipment anymore, right? We could kind of see that. But when now thinking about IoT, there is much, much more you can see. You might be able to see that an entire industry is slowing down, for example, or they're picking up, or you can now start, if you, if you still use the demographics around the, the customer base and you have as much information as possible, you know, size, demographics, location, what's the weather pattern, you know, is are the summer or winter there, whatever, all that kind of stuff. And then you start looking at their behaviors and that could be machine behaviors, but it could also be like just looking at, at like how loaded are the machines. You can now really target some more specific campaigns around that information to the right customer base. And you can refer to something that they actually can resonate with. They can resonate with, hey, we know that because of the, the forest fires, for example, you're slowing down something and we can help you with X, Y, and Z. You can, we can help you with like rental equipment or something like that. And we can validate that that's actually happening based on the data we can see. It's right now in the OEM space and manufacturing a brilliant untapped area of information because what we use the IoT data today is to better service our customers. And we also use it for R&D to understand if, if there's some patterns around the motor that we started using three years ago is failing a lot more than the one we used before, et cetera. So, that, so we use that for sure right away. That's the obvious thing to use the data for. But from a marketing perspective, there, there, there are really some opportunities there that could be very, very different where in the past we have mainly used like CRM supply data to understand, you know, how old is the equipment that the customer has? What is the next time they should maybe upgrade or whatever? But now we can actually see some of the, the usage data that we can use and then target some more specific campaigns. And especially 
also maybe avoid campaigns, right? There's no reason to have a campaign into an industry that's currently slowing down where you would want to target the industry that's actually picking up, right? Yeah, I think it's really smart. I'm curious, do you think this is this is a trend that's we're we're kind of at the very beginning of this, or you know, I'm I'm not a, a manufacturing operations guy, right? I'm a marketing guy who works with manufacturers. And I'm I'm curious, do you think that like are we just starting to skim the surface of this or are, are the bigger companies like an Ingersoll Rand where you are like f- further down that path already? I think everybody is at the, skimming the surface right now. It's, a, it's not a traditional marketing area. I think even most companies I've worked for, marketing is still looking at, you know, yes, you, you, you have leads that will drive some campaigns. And we have traditionally, like most others, used the, the supply chain data, used the age of the equipment. We might have some usage data either by when we go out and service the equipment, we can record the, the run hours, for example, and then we can have a good idea of how well that machine's been, been going and, and used. But really looking at the IoT data for marketing is something new. We are looking at it from what we call insights perspective, but it's still very, very customer focused. So for example, like if we can tell a customer that their behavior right now is not good, they might be like short cycling machine or something like that. And we would want to tell them that you, they would want to either change some settings or behaviors or something like that. That's something that we are doing right now, but those same types of insights could be used from a marketing perspective as well. And that's where I think some people are starting to think about. You kind of mentioned this a few minutes ago. You said something along the lines of, you know, we're, we're interested in the things that you wouldn't necessarily know. Like what, what are the other examples you can give of that? Like what things may you not realize are going on that you could gather through some of this data? If you think about traditional big data analytics, it's about finding things you don't know. It is taking a big data set, understanding all the, the demographics and look at the behaviors. And then you can see some correlations around like we're thinking it's 35 from 50 year old that are buying these specific five blade razors, right? But we're finding out that it's really the 35 to 45 that's doing or whatever, right? So things like that, they're looking colleagues or they're finding something completely different that they're starting to buy less of them or something like that, right? That, that's just the, the, the traditional thinking there, right? When you go into the manufacturing and process data, you got to be careful not having that same concept because, again, as, as I said before, there are a lot of correlations that are very well known that you don't want. I have an example that from one of my previous jobs I had where we were working with oil and gas, which was a liquefied natural gas producer in Australia. And they had one of those big companies come in that said, hey, give us all your data and we will just go through it and look at it and then come back with some really great insights that you can use for your business, right? And then they got the data for like three months and then it came back and says, we found some very interesting correlations in the data. If you increase X, you will get more Y. And so they looked, well, what is X and what is Y? And they said, well, X is, well, they didn't really know because they didn't have really the metadata. They just looked at the data as data. And so when they when the customer looked, looked at the data, they could see that, that what they found out is that if you put more natural gas in, you can get more liquefied natural gas out, which of course, like, you know, duh. Right. And so you really need to involve your SMEs to eliminate all those known correlations first, because then everybody will be interested in the things that they don't know. Right. So if you can have enough demographics and behavior data on your machines and on your customer behaviors around how they use the machines, 
you might find some interesting aspects that you didn't know. And, and I'm not just talking now about the, the thermodynamics or the physics about it, but really about the behavior side, that there might be something that customers are doing that you didn't understand or, or really knew that they were doing in, in that particular way. And so that's what you would really want to find out is those things that you can either use to improve your equipment or maybe even have the equipment change so better operates under those behaviors that you see the customers doing, or those behaviors are just bad. I mean, it could, could also be that, right? So you, if you can kind of tie some behaviors to a lot of trips and warnings on the machine, you can tie those things together. That's that's a that's a bad thing the customer's doing. So what we will be looking at is, you know, set point changes. When 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 is the customer actually making set point changes and what is the effect of those? But that's just from a process engineer perspective looking at the actual data. But if you put in big data analytics, the idea would be that anomalies can be found more automatically as opposed to somebody have to say, I'm, I'm thinking this is the case, let me look at the data. But instead, now you can see, hey, here are some new anomalies that we didn't know about before. And now it's the reverse. I found a problem. And now I can look at the solution. Whereas the normal is, I think I have a solution. Let me see if the problem is there. So yeah, and I'm going to go home tonight and most likely my Amazon Echo is going to be flashing yellow at me in my kitchen and Alexa is going to tell me that I need to order more diapers for my newborn or more K-cups for my Keurig. And it's pretty convenient, but I also you know, I can't help but to cringe a little bit when, when I think about how much Amazon and Google and other big you know tech companies know about me. And I'm just wondering, do, do you see hesitancy from customers about giving back you know, data to the OEM, or do you think that'll be an increasing sort of worry for one reason or another? Or do you think that the, the positives that come from that outweigh any sort of privacy concerns? Well, data privacy and data security is definitely very important topics to always consider both as a customer and as a vendor. I won't say that customers are necessarily hesitant, except for some specific sectors like the power industry, life science, but customers definitely, they're keenly interested in how OEMs and vendors can help them at the same time protect the data and their privacy. It's interesting, though, that customers, they generally would rather not share any data at all. And the IT department says, hey, the less you share, the better, right? But at the same time, they would still want to know what are the best practices in the industry and what can we see out of our data? So it's kind of like a two-phase scenario where they want to share as little as possible, but want to get as much out of it as possible as well. And then, of course, it's important that they also want the customer or the OEM to be able to help them as best as possible. And again, the more data they share there, the more you get out of it. But it is definitely a specific area of, of concern. We've had various discussions with customers around specifically data privacy and security. So it's about for anybody that has solutions in the IoT and IoT space, they got to document their whole security paradigm, what are they doing? And, and also even document, you know, have your environment being tested by any official test companies, et cetera, like that. There's tons of them out there that, that will test your, your system, make sure it's secure. You got to make sure that the data is encrypted all the way through from when it was generated at the edge, all the way into the cloud. And then on the data privacy side, there are definitely differences. So from our perspective, our equipment is, is typically considered as a, as a resource, like electricity. It's compressed air or it's electricity. So the data that we would collect can tell very little about what the customer is actually doing with the equipment or what they're, what they're doing in their plant, right? We can get an idea of if, if they 
might be doing more or less, we could get an idea of what their shifts would be, but then you could just park outside the factory and see when the lights are on and you would know the same thing, right? So there's not a lot of concern from our customers of what data we are collecting. Whereas if you are an OEM for like manufacturing equipment, like uh, bottle lines, mixing tanks, then it becomes a bit different because now you will potentially also have you you have the recipe of what's going on in the manufacturing within your system. And so you got to be very careful about the data you're collecting and what you're collecting it for. So when I was working at some of the like um, Rockwell and Honeywell, and we were talking about historians, right? The historian would typically be collecting the process data, but not necessarily like the recipe data or the production information or the product information. That would typically be in an MES system or something like that, right? So you could take the process data from a historian and say, you can kind of, if you are really smart, you can probably identify a little bit of what's going on, but it's still going to be hard. And so that's the same level, I think, in OEM that are pulling data off the machines. They're not so much interested in like the recipe and the actual products that are being made and how many and all that kind of stuff. They're interested in the machine. They're interested in when the machine breaks or when it has a warning and what was the temperature at the time, what was the pressure flows and and what was it right before. And so an OEM has to be a little bit concerned about at least communicating what they're collecting, what data they're collecting, and of course, what they're collecting the data for. And it's typically very obvious when you start having the, the connection with the customer because you are you're going to be calling up the customer and say, hey, I can see your machine is down and I can see it has this particular error code and I will be coming out you know, later today with this part and install it and get the machine back up and running again. And customers are very happy about that, right? Whereas if you went ahead and says, well, you are producing this particular product and if you choose to do this other product, you would probably make more money. That's a different discussion and that's typically something that could be left within the company, right? Within the, in the customers. And that's what they're hiring these big firms to do for them instead, right? And, and the data stays within the company. So you got to be very careful about what data you're collecting and what you're collecting it for. And then when you start thinking about, because some customers would want to say, well, what can you tell us? What's best practices of this equipment? How do you best utilize it? How do you best structure the set points or the, the control of this equipment in, in my industry, for example? There, you got to really be careful about, well, if I'm going to be doing some of that, you have to anomalize, uh, anonymize the data. You got to look at here is 500 pieces of equipment in this particular industry. And here is some general trends of how these 500 pieces of equipment is being controlled or being run or being utilized, right? So you have to look at that perspective as well and be very, very certain about it. Because, for example, like we have customers connecting into our system to see the data, but they can only see their own. They cannot see anybody else's information. They can go into a portal. They can see exactly what their machines are doing right now, but they cannot see anybody else's. And so if you're going to start looking at that level, you got to be very careful about how you process that data. And you got to think about anonymizing that information and start seeing what you, what you can see. Because you can see a lot and you got to be very conscious about what you're using that data for that you can see. And for example, like when you're looking at the specific customer data, it's really about you servicing that equipment for that customer. And so you're looking at the, at the actual machine performance data and alarms and trips and trying to figure out how what's going on with the machine and how can you, you know, what are you going to do to fix it if it's broken up, of course, right? Or as I mentioned before, like short cycling, if you can see some behaviors that it's not necessarily about what 
products being manufactured on your machine, but really how they use it, using it. If there's something that you can see that's not right, then you can use that, right? But you got to be very, very careful about the data you're pulling in. And typically, I would say most most are just pulling in the, the machine performance data. Yen, is there anything I did not ask you about that you'd like to touch on today? Or is there any you know, anything you'd like to say to manufacturing leaders out there who are, you know, it's kind of intimidated by all the new technology that's emerging and the data that's available to them and aren't sure where to get started? Yeah, I would, I would, I would definitely say start engaging the marketing side of your company with the digital side, so to speak. So there's, there's digital transformation and digital whatever, right? And it's from a marketing perspective, it's really about the website and getting leads and understanding something from leads. But on the digital side, there's another digital side there, right? If you're starting to get data from your equipment on a real-time basis, the initial project will typically start from a service perspective, like being able to better service your customer, be able to be be more proactive, and also be able to, like in in our case, for example, it's a lot of it is about reducing truck rolls. So if I can know as much about a machine before I come on site, I might have a very good chance of bringing the right part and fix it right away, right? So that's the first initiative around that whole thing. But if you start engaging marketing and say, okay, now we've gotten this data for, let's say, a couple of years, right? Well, what can it tell us? If I have a marketing campaign around the age of equipment, it's really about how much has it been used. Can the IoT data help me give some more aspects or information around that that I can better utilize for a marketing campaign. And then once you get marketing a little bit involved, they're, they're going to have their own kind of aspects of looking at that information and say, well, I can see this or this or this. And I never even knew that we had that data because it's, I mean, that's, it's a, it can be a goldmine of information for marketing. As long as you make sure you keep it uh, anonymized as much as possible from a marketing campaign perspective, at least. So it's industry specific behavior type specific, but it's not, you're not going to go do a marketing campaign specific to one customer because you can see something. You got to be very careful about that, of course, right? It has to be trend type data that you're looking at. But there is, I mean, a lot of cases, if you are connected to your customer with IoT, it is very, very different than the only data you had was when you sold the equipment to them to the customer, right? That's your endpoint of a lot of your customer connections without IoT and, and digital connections, right? But once you are connected, you are continuously getting information that can tell you something about how this industry is performing, how these customers are using the equipment to see what are the new things they've seen out of the data that could be used in a marketing perspective, right? We're seeing customers with this particular component doing something much better than the ones without the component. And now I can go to marketing campaign to the customers without the component and say, here's a case story. If you added this component to your machine, we can show you a 10% increase of whatever, right? Or a decrease of energy utilization or something. The data can tell you much more now than, than before. I love that. It's a it's like a completely new, well, not new, but just additional way to do market research within a very you know specific subset. Yeah, absolutely. Really smart. Well, yeah, and this is a really good conversation today. I appreciate you coming on and, and doing this. And uh, wondering if you can tell our audience how they can get in touch with you and how they can learn more about both Industry 4.0 Club and also what you're doing at Ingersoll Rand. Sure. So I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. LinkedIn. I just use my last name, Pingle. So you can find me easily there. And from there, there's reference to everywhere else. Industry 4.0 Club is industry40club.com. 
And then the other thing that um, I, I think would be interesting too is that this is new, right? And not just the marketing aspect, but the whole industry 4.0. So uh, I definitely encourage everybody to to not just go on Industry 4.0 Club, but other resources. There are you can search Industry 4.0 Technologies, IoT, Smart Manufacturing. You can check out the standards and and industry organizations like uh, EU on Industry 4.0, SME.org, SME. ARC, ISA, IEEE, and IoT World, they have tons of resources as well that could get you into this space here. And then the next step, of course, is then start using it from a marketing perspective. But that's that's typically not the first level there, but that would be. And again, also definitely encourage anybody to go on Industry 4.0 Club and join some of our rooms on Clubhouse. I learn something every single day I'm in a room, even even if I'm on a host. I there's guest speakers with new aspects, new new ideas and new information that I didn't didn't know about. I learn something every day I'm on these rooms. So uh definitely uh encourage everybody to go on. It's a great way to uh uh get an hour, two hours every week and get some more information about industry 4.0 and different aspects of it. And it's not just the technology, it is it is also the the people, the culture. Etc. So there are a lot of lot of different topics that that could be very interesting to to learn about. Beautiful. I can speak from my own experience about the quality of some of those conversations. So I would second everything you said there. Well, Yen, once again, thank you. Really appreciate you taking some time out of your day to do this. I think this is going to be a really interesting, you know, episode for some people to listen back to and open their eyes to some things they haven't been thinking about. Well, glad to be here. Thanks, you. Thanks for the invitation. It's been a it's been a great time. It's been fun. You know, everything you do here is. Uh, all good information too to the to more or less the the, the, the same audience, right? As uh, as we an industry 4.0 club is trying to reach and trying to uh, evangelize on this type of, type of information. So great time, enjoyed it. Likewise, thanks, Jan. And as for the rest of you, I hope to catch you on the next episode of the Manufacturing Executive. You've been listening to the Manufacturing Executive podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to learn more about industrial marketing and sales strategy, you'll find an ever-expanding collection of articles, videos, guides, and tools specifically for B2B manufacturers at gorilla76.com learn. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.